I could be part of the conversation and at, at the table when the conversation is had about changing accounting principles and tax laws that I see directly affect my community. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. For today, we are returning to a career path that we haven't touched on in in many, many months, actually. That's the career path of governmental accounting or an accounting career within governmental agencies. And to top that off, today's guest is currently with the Internal Revenue Service, and that makes her only the second guest from the IRS for our show out of almost 200 episodes now. Felicia Farrar is joining us, and she's had a tremendous career. It may not be what you were expecting, though. Felicia worked with the service early in her career and then left after getting her bachelor's degree. After trying out public accounting and some work for the city of Houston as well, she eventually returned back to the IRS. You're going to hear a few themes throughout this interview. First of all, Felicia has taken on most of the roles she's held in her professional career, not simply because they were good jobs, but because they were positions in which she could learn more or have greater influence in discussions that she cared about, such as the community and and taxation issues. Basically, it gave her a seat at the table. And secondly, another theme you're going to hear is that she believes in doing what it takes to get the credentials that you need to earn a seat at that table for those discussions. She definitely believes in hard work. I knew this was going to be an interesting interview, but honestly, it ended up having much more value than even I expect in these interviews. And we have some great guests, so that's saying a lot. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please let us know by either sharing it out on social media or leaving us a review in your podcast app, whatever you prefer. Also, we have a few books on Amazon that you may want to check out. If you're a job seeker or looking for something better for yourself, or if you're an employer, we have topics that address both of those audiences. So please check those out as well. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Here's Felicia. Well, hello, Felicia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. No problem. This will be fun. Well, for the audience, we have a special guest for us on the show today. Felicia Farrar is joining us. And this is a little unique for us because we haven't touched too much recently on governmental positions as a career choice for accountants. And we've actually only had one other guest that worked at the Internal Revenue Service on the show, which was a very, very long time ago, which surprises me. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Governmental career paths can be an excellent choice for many accountants. So I'm happy we're able to give a little more attention to this space through our interview today with Felicia. Well, I do want to get into what you do now, of course, Felicia, but we always like to start at the beginning so we understand how your overall career journey has progressed. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Oh, when I was in high school and you always had to write something interesting in your high school yearbook, I wrote in that I wanted to be an IRS agent. 
And so when I went to college, I won a scholarship to Kent State University. And so when I went to college, I was like, okay, so what do I need to do in order to be that IRS agent? So my counselor told me, well, you're going to have to major in accounting. You should major in accounting. So that's what I did. Interesting. I'm curious what led to the interest specifically in being an IRS agent at such an early age. I'm not sure I knew what an IRS agent was in high school. (laughs) Well, working in the community, my father had us working in the community and I was we he was a deacon in a Baptist church. So we actually worked on the campaign of one of the first black mayor that ran for Cleveland for the city of Cleveland. And so I saw the fear of how taxes affected my community and I just felt that it had to be like a misunderstanding versus that taxes was that hard. So I figured that if I learned taxes and learned the tax law, I could go back to my community and help my community not fear taxes so much and be in compliance with tax law. Oh, wow. You had a purpose for this very early on. That's impressive. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you did start at the Internal Revenue Service, right? Or were there a few jobs prior to that? Well, I went into banking uh, when I was in school. I went into banking, and then I was applying for jobs within the government. And so initially, I started with the Corps Engineers. And then a position came up for IRS position as a secretary. So initially, I came into the IRS as a secretary. From there, I found out what was the qualifications to be a revenue agent. So there's an auditor that where people actually come into the office and the auditor actually go over the tax return or what have you. But I wanted to be an agent because I wanted to look at businesses and individuals. So when I came into the IRS, I looked at what it took to actually become a revenue agent. And so at that time, I did not have a four-year degree. I was married. I was newly divorced, had three young children. And so I was like, okay, what can I do versus going back to school right now? Because I just had the two-year degree in order to qualify for this position. And during that time, the government allowed that volunteer work, which is still is that somewhat today, but the volunteer work counted toward you qualifying for a position. So what I did was, because I understood accounting so well, I volunteered in the community and actually just about every church, black church within Houston, I actually volunteered and helped them with their accounting. And so therefore, I received the experience needed to qualify for a revenue agent. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You're resourceful as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So how long were you with the service before, or I guess when you became an agent? So I jumped from a secretary to a revenue agent, and that just wasn't heard of. I was told I was the first one to do that. So within that became challenges, of course, with individuals that felt that I actually didn't deserve the position. So there was a few challenges, and so therefore I decided I had connected with the National Association a black accountant. So I decided to go and finish and get my four-year degree 
and to actually go into work with a, a accounting firm. So I did that for a second. And then after I obtained my degree, I actually went to KPMG because within NABA, my mentor encouraged me, one of the founders of NABA, encouraged me to go into a big four accounting firm to actually have that on my resume. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm just curious, since you were a revenue agent, that mixes tax and audit. When you went to KPMG, were you in tax then? or I was actually in audit, and then during the busy season, sometimes um, the tax busy season, I was lent out to the tax department as well. Um, that was quite interesting because I had worked for a small black CPA firm that was part of NABA, and I had done everything that came in the door. And when you go to a big four accounting firm, you're like, you're on cash, and then you're on inventory, and then you're on different things, right? And so that kind of like drove me crazy because I had actually managed audits like within the school districts or what have you for different clients. I had done everything from the RFP to the actual management of the audit. So needless to say, I did not enjoy my time at a big four accounting firm. <laughs> it was quite different. It was quite telling. And of course, there were different, like a pay your dues thing within the firm. And I felt that I had paid my dues outside the firm. So it was quite interesting. I went because my mentor encouraged me to go. Looking back at it, I don't know if that was the best thing to do at that time, but it worked out. Sure, sure. I can see how you had already been in charge of some things, and basically you were put into a role probably of a first-year auditor. <laughs> Someone that's only an internship. There had to be some frustration around that. Yeah, right? it was quite a yeah. bit. Well, they actually bring you in as an experienced hire, and so I came in actually as a senior, but that's still during that time it was the manager. It was quite interesting, needless to say. So I wasn't clear from there on about some of your history. And so I was curious about this because you've done so many things in the teaching side and maybe volunteer as well. Just so many, for lack of a better term, extracurricular activities since KPMG. Where did you go from KPMG? And at what point did you return to the service? Okay. So from KPMG, I started working for the city of Houston. And the reason why is because within the IRS, of course, we have the Hatch Act. And I was doing a lot in the community, giving back time. So I was encouraged by some of the leaders in uh, Fort Bend County and the county in which I live to run for Democratic chair. So I did that and worked on different campaigns, worked on Lee Brown campaign, worked with several campaigns, Democrats and Republicans, after I left being the chair, I actually worked on a very good friend of mine. He ran for city council, Burke Keller. I actually helped him out on his campaign, but I worked a lot of the mayor campaigns, Lee Brown, Bill White, and I couldn't do that within the IRS, within the government. And I really enjoyed that because I felt that people should get out to vote to kind of change the situation as well. So I initially did not seek to go back to the IRS. I actually went to the city of Houston in which I was over some funds, the funds that house people with AIDS and affected by AIDS. And that was awesome. I really enjoyed that job because I got to work with different funding agencies as well as community agencies that were actually 
receiving funds, I would actually fund them and um, make sure they complied with the guidelines for those funds. And so I actually saw the work of those funds within the community. So I really enjoyed that job because the funds initially were actually set to go to different individuals, and I sought out the need for different types of community for those funds to go to and worked with community organizations to get those funds to them. So you actually saw a reward in your daily duties, and that I enjoyed. You have done so much. (laughs) (laughs) That that job I really enjoyed. (laughs) So where did you go from the city of Houston? Okay, so then when I started seeing different things with tax law and accounting principles, even though I had done a lot of work in that space, without a CPA and without working in accounting, it was devalued. So I said, okay, so where can I go back to actually, what do I need to do to actually be where I could be part of the conversation and at at the table when the conversation is had about changing accounting principles and tax laws that I see directly affect my community and small businesses within my community. So therefore, I went back to the IRS. Initially, I went back to the IRS because at that point, I knew I wanted to work on a Ph.D., and the government actually would help pay for that. So as soon as I got back, though, the IRS stopped paying for it. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Okay. So I said, but I'm not going to let that stop me. I said, so let me look at what I need to do initially first. And the first thing that I felt that I needed to do was see what qualifications I need to advance. So initially I received an MBA. I went and got my MBA. And then I wanted to, like, teach accounting because even though I do taxes, for some odd reason, people don't put accounting with tax, and I don't understand it, but that's a whole nother conversation. So I started teaching, looking into teaching, and in order to teach, you need 18, in the state of Texas, you need 18 graduate hours of accounting. So I went to Texas Women. They have a postgraduate certification in accounting, so I went and took that so I would qualify for the hours to actually teach at a university. And so when I went back into the IRS, fraud was the hot ticket. So the word around the organization was to become a fraud examiner. So I actually went and took the fraud examiner's exam and passed on the first time. And so that was pretty interesting. So I started back working with fraud and working with accounting. So that was pretty cool. But I had a mentor Frank Ross, he's one of the founders of NABA, and he would not let me forget that I needed to be a CPA. Every time I saw him, every time I talked to him, because I would talk to him about different things that were going on in the accounting profession, before he said, well, after he said hello, the next word was, where you're at on that CPA? <laughs> and so I started back with the journey of looking at studying for the CPA exam. Now, mind you, working within NABA, I had already worked in, and I held several board positions in which CPE was part of it. So when the CPA exam went from paper to computer, I actually had NASBA to come out and help individuals pass the exam, but I didn't think that I needed the exam, the CPA exam, within the IRS because, again, the IRS wanted you to look for fraud. And so that's why I initially did not go back through it. 
to see whether or not I need it. And it wasn't really until even my mentor was really on me about it, and I would kind of dib and dab, like have study and what have you for it. But it wasn't until I found that, that the IRS had a CPA group. And I was like, what? what is that? In order to be an agent, you don't even have to be a CPA within the IRS. And so one of my fellow colleagues told me about the group, and I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, yes, we have a CPA club. You should come since you're studying for the CPA exam. And so I was like, okay. She was a Caucasian woman, so I told my manager, and he claimed that he was mixed with everything. I said, have you heard of this CPA club that the IRS has? And he said, yeah, they have it. He said, it's all white people, so I know you're not thinking about joining. I said, well, no, someone told me about it, and I'm going to join because I could join since I'm studying for the CPA exam. He's like, are you kidding? And I'm like, yeah, I want to see what it's about. (laughs) And I'm like, how dare there's a club that is not actually advertised for everyone to know? And he said, well, that's because you're not required to have a CPA to be an agent. So I actually went to the club, and I'll never forget when I went because it, the meeting was after work, and I called my manager. I said, well, I'm walking in the room. He said, I just want to stay on the phone when you walk in the room. <laughs> so I went and met the gentleman that was the treasurer. I paid my little $25, and I walked in the room, and, of course, I was the only African-American in the room. And their faces did look. And so he was like, okay, how are they looking? <laughs> oh, i never forget that. And so anyway, I joined the group, participated in the group, learned a lot from the group. They would go deep into accounting principles and then into tax law, things that I like to do. So I really enjoyed the group, actually participated in it. And then I said, okay, you know what? I have to become a CPA. So that's when I got really, really serious about becoming a CPA because I felt that I needed to not just be a candidate to sit at this table with these individuals, even though I could communicate the accounting principles and tax law and tie them all together just as well as they could. But I wanted to actually have that CPA as they had the CPA. Okay. I'm curious, were you the only candidate in there as well? Were they mostly? Um, Yes, I was the only candidate. But it was interesting the way it worked because the young lady that told me about it was actually acting as a manager, uh, acting manager. My manager went on vacation, so she was acting manager, and we were discussing a case. And after we got finished discussing the case, she came back over to me, and this statement it always interests me. She came to me, she said, you know what? I was thinking, well, you really are a smart girl. And okay. (laughs) So I looked at her and I had heard that so many times, but she said, and I really think, didn't you say you were looking at finishing your CPA? And I said, yeah. And that's when she told me about the group. So it was quite interesting. And what I would do, because I I truly believe in sharing education and educating different people. So what I would do is after I would lead the group meetings, I would bring copies of what, I mean, we discussed everything from the accounting principle to the tax law to court cases for the particular tax law that we were talking about or issue we were talking about. And so I would bring that back to the my group and make presentations at our group meetings so the rest of my colleagues would be just as knowledgeable as I am. I'm just curious, is the CPA club something that still exists? 
with Inara? Yes, and I was in Dallas at that time. I haven't checked in one in Houston yet because from there I went to another part of the IRS, and so that was at that location. Okay. I'm a big proponent for certification. I think it really does make a difference in people's careers. And so it does. I think that's just wonderful that yeah. they're promoting that. So what do you do exactly now at the IRS? Because obviously you're... Okay, you're, so now I'm back. an IRS agent, but I just received a position because in getting, going through looking at tax law and looking at accounting principle, we all know or probably know that very few accountants is at the table when tax law is being made. And as you probably could tell in some of the tax law that has been made. And so my goal was in getting the PhD is to actually be able to sit at the table with the joint committee and with members of Congress and actually discuss how the change in that tax law may affect different communities and how accounting, you're not starting with a clean sheet of paper. And so how the accounting principles work together with that. So part of my career goal within the IRS was to be a part of joint committee. And joint committee is the individuals that work on different things of the changes of the tax law or what have you, and how the intentional and unintentional circumstances of the tax law can actually pay out. So I just start a new position on Monday, as a matter of fact, as a joint committee specialist, which I'm really looking forward to it because it was quite a task to get in this group and is actually exactly what I need to do to ultimately use my PhD to its fullest extent. Wow. Okay. Wow. Things are constantly changing. (laughs) Congratulations. Now, did I say that you're going to be pursuing or are pursuing a PhD as well? Yes, I am. I'm all but dissertation. So I'm finished with my classes for my PhD at Oklahoma State. And of course, my dissertation is on a part of the tax law, 199 Cap A, which is 20% deduction for flow-through entities. And so that's what my dissertation is on. And Hopefully, I'll get everything together and be graduating in December. Okay. Next December. Next December. Okay. Many people I know that pursue a PhD, it's because they ultimately are thinking about becoming a professor. Is that your eventual goal someday? or? Well, maybe later, later on down the line. In order to sit at the table and be knowledgeable, so there's a couple things that I understand that I have to, and I tell my mentees this all of the time, you have to be twice as knowledgeable than your other, your other coworkers or what have you. So I understand to sit at the table and to tell some seasoned men, most likely, because okay. <laughs> even today <laughs> when I go out on audits, most of the managing partners or what have you are men that there should be a change, that you need to come with every qualification possible. And so in order to, when you talk about how things could affect the community or how a different law could change or accounting principle, it's all based off of research. And so in order for me to be at that table and to be able to communicate and for them to actually listen, I need, I felt that I needed to hold highest degree of such in order to have that conversation. So initially, no, I just plan on maybe adjunct teaching a little bit. Initially, I want to actually work on the Hill, on the other side of Joint Committee, and assist with making tax law and accounting principles. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Your aspirations, I mean, just throughout your whole career, 
It's just very refreshing. I remember one of our previous podcast guests, this is over two years ago, that had worked in the government talking about how just the aspect of public service and doing something for the greater good is really what drove them. And I can hear that with you as well. That And so anyway, it's very refreshing. It's very refreshing. <laughs> no, it didn't work out and it wasn't really planned this way. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I always wanted to do something for the better good, but if I look back, if I knew now what I knew then, what I know now, of course, I would have probably done things a little differently. Like, I probably wouldn't have left the IRS. I would be close to reti- retirement. It's just a couple things that I probably would have done differently, but it definitely has made me a better person. And when I see mentees going into that direction, I'm like, okay, I tried that. You may want to turn around. And look at it a different way. Okay. I was curious, and that dovetails into what you just said, or this question does, for our younger or listeners, or the ones that are at least earlier in their accounting career, that may have an interest in the government space. Maybe it's with the IRS, or maybe it's with the FBI, or something similar. What advice would you have for individuals earlier in their career that are interested in that route? Well, to actually go out and look at the qualifications and whatever the qualifications. I tell my mentees now, if it says CPA preferred, that means CPA required. So if you're going to work in accounting, you should hold the highest designation in that field. We have a problem in the African-American community of individuals actually studying accounting and then we don't sit for the CPA exam and then the individuals that do sit for the CPA exam, if they fail that part the first time, they don't go back to the point of 80% of that. And so now, lately, we just formed, I just assisted in under the vice chair of a new organization, the National Society of Black CPAs, where our focus, where we're laser focused on increasing the number of black CPAs because we're less than 1% of the CPAs that's in the world. So we have to take responsibility and actually look at what we need to do. So if you're going to work in accounting, the first thing I would say is suck it up, do what you need to do, finish your accounting courses, and take the CPA exam. Because even with the FBI, I know I had an opportunity to go to the CIA. Even within positions like that, those type of credentials are actually looked at for advancement. They may not be required, but again, you always want to have something more than what's required. Like right now, I probably could go on the Hill and actually work. In fact, I'm sure I could go on the Hill and work in the department that I would like to ultimately be in once I complete my PhD. But when I walk in that door, I want to make sure, because you're going to have challenges even walking in the door. So when I walk in that door, I want to walk in that door full armored to actually deal with those questions. I do not want my competency level or my credentials to stop me from being able to sit at the head of that table. And so that's what I tell individuals. That's how you should look at your career. Thank you very much, because there is definitely a feeling out there that what's the minimum qualifications I need to get and then let me get that and then move forward as fast as I can. And I totally agree with you. I, When it says CPA preferred, it really means required. required. <laughs> and, yeah. 
and that, <laughs> yeah, that goes for a lot of other things. And I think you have to be willing to make that investment in yourself if you want the respect that comes with it. So thank you. I like direct talk on the podcast. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, it's the truth. This is my life. I wouldn't do people just uh, true justice if I pretend that it's going to be one way and when it's not. And as I stated, even with the CPA, your challenge (laughs) is quite amazing. CPA may get you in the room. You're still going to have to show your knowledge and justify your knowledge base. So you need to get in the room, right? And so in order to get in the room to talk about your knowledge and to make a difference and to make a contribution and to be an asset, you need to actually be able to get in that room. Very true. Very true. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, and we have three questions that we end every show with, but there's one more item I guess I want to get clarity on and summarize. What have you found most fulfilling about your career? I mean, I know a lot of it has been with the IRS, but just overall, what have you found most fulfilling? about your career? Within the IRS, what is so fulfilling to me is is that the IRS does a lot of education. We do a lot of CPE. So I started in small business. Well, when I came in, I was a secretary in collections. And then I went to small business self-employed. And now I'm in large business international. And what I really enjoy, and most of us within, we call it LBNI, are CPAs, and most of the individuals are CPAs and attorneys. And what I find very interesting, what I like about being an LBNI is that they truly believe in education and training. We are trained to the ends of things. And it's a different mindset. So it's a collaboration effort more in LBNI than I would say in the other business unit. So you're working with people at large corporations, managing partners of firms and what have you, and you're sharing ideals back and forth of how the tax law was intended and how this affects different accounting principles or organization rules or what have you. And so you're constantly researching, you're constantly learning something. And that's what I really, really enjoy with the IRS. I really do. That's the best thing about it. Hmm. That's some good insight for everybody. Definitely. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions because that takes a little time. We better get to those. The first one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Passing the CPA exam. Oh, okay. <laughs> of all of the degrees that I have, I have an associate, a bachelor's, a master's. I never went to the graduation of either one of those. But when I passed that CTA exam within Texas, they do a big ceremony, and you walk across a stage. And I'm really not that person, but that time I walked across <laughs> the stage. I actually went, attended, <laughs> and walked across that stage. I got so many 74s and 73s, I just didn't think 75 was a possibility. And then when I finally passed the parts, I passed them with a higher than a 75. So that was the proudest thing that I have done. I may not even go to my PhD graduation, but that CPA exam, yeah, went to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I was going to follow it up with what do you think after you finish your PhD, but you just answered that for me. So, wow. Yeah, I just have, I mean, I may go, I'm going to order the robe, but whether or not 
it's for a purpose, but once you pass the CPA exam, it kind of like verifies, justifies you in the accounting field. Yes, yes. Yeah, people outside of accounting just don't understand. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and now I write questions for the CPA exam, and it's quite interesting because now that I've learned it, I had to go back and like almost teach myself accounting a different way in order to pass that exam. And so they'll say, oh, that question is too hard. I'm like, you just said that for the person that wrote my questions. Now I look at it, it's almost like kids play. Like I cannot believe I went through all of that for that exam. But I think it's more of the anticipation of actually passing. (laughs) Well, second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we learn from these things. Well, I think the lesson I learned the hard way is speaking your mind. (laughs) There's some situations you should learn not to speak. You should just listen and maybe call a best friend or a family member and speak your mind. But to speak it in out loud, even though it may be something you may be totally right, and it may be something other people are thinking. Sometimes the best thing is to not say anything and go back and see what action you could take to change it. So that's the lesson I learned the hard way. Okay. Thank you. That is a good one. (laughs) Yeah, that's the truth. (laughs) Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Don't give up. Don't give up. And I put this out, my father would always say when he was alive, where there's a will, there's a way. So that ties with the don't give up. I was built off of that. If you want it to happen, if you will it to happen, you'll find a way for it to happen. And so that's what I found. And that's just true in life. So we could come up with every excuse of why we shouldn't do something or how we can't do something or whatever. Well, if somebody else has done it, and nine times out of ten, if it's out there, somebody else has done it. So what stops you from doing it and succeeding in it as well? Thank you. That also is great advice because I knew inviting you on the show that we would talk about some of the benefits of working within the government and some of the joys there. But I didn't anticipate the conversation around qualifications and certifications. And I'm a big believer in that. And it's one of the items that we get a lot of good feedback on the show about is just how we help encourage people in those manners. So that really Can't give up. No, you can't. give up. You have to fundle through things. I tell my mentors, we have mentors within the National Society of Black CPAs, and I tell them, Understand who your friends are and who your friends are, and sometimes they shouldn't be your friend for a certain period. And so during the CPA exam, that it was one time that I found out, okay, maybe I shouldn't tell people I'm going to take this exam tomorrow because when that 70, when the scores come out and I get that 74, or if I get that 74, I have to explain that. And then people judge you on that. But if you have the will to do it, you can get it done. So true. So true. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. This will help many people, and I appreciate you being willing to do it. Not a problem. That's what we're here for. If you can't help somebody, what are you doing? (laughs) So true.
Well, that was my interview with Felicia Farrar. And like I said, I got more than I bargained for there. It was a very refreshing bonus to get to talk about certifications and education and just continually trying to improve yourself and in your situation. That was really very refreshing. I knew that we were going to talk about the benefits of governmental agencies and working in accounting within governmental organizations and how that can be a great career path. But there again, just the, the discussion of credentials was really refreshing and fun for me. I'm a big believer in certification and education. And so I I always enjoy those conversations. Thank you very much, Felicia. If you did enjoy this interview and get something out of this podcast, like I mentioned, please leave us a review if you can find a few seconds to do that. We appreciate all the reviews. And also we have a few books on Amazon if any of those interest you. 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter and Hiring for Accounting, which is primarily for employers. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week. As I always say, there's more to come.